Welcome to the Lost Roman Heroes podcast. My name is Matthew. My name is Matthew. And together we're diving, diving? No, we're not. We're diving nope. deep into the history of Rome from its founding to its death, uncovering Rome's greatest heroes along the way and ranking them. Welcome to our listeners to episode number 30, three, zero, Octavian part four, the final part, the end. The apogee. We're finally, we're finally closing this era. Because it's not just the end of Octavian, it's the end, officially the end of the Republic, Matteo. It's... Right. Yeah. It's... The end of... Um, the end, and the end of... Uh, before Common Era. Yes, that too. Before Christ, yeah. It's been a heck it's... of a journey. Yeah. We started in August of 2023 we're wrapping up february of 2024 and we made it from the dawn of this little idea that was rome to the birth of empire i hope we did a decent job covering it i hope so too i do i really do although you know we just passed ten thousand downloads since we started so some people are listening and people kind of scattered around the world. I was just looking today at where our listeners are coming from. And Serbia is, is still a surprise in the top five, but not far after Serbia is Ireland and then Canada. And then we're, we're spiking in Nigeria, <laughs> which is really? incredible. In Leg Lagos. Yeah. In the last two weeks, we've had 30 plus downloads in Nigeria. So it seems like one, perhaps two people are binging on us in Nigeria, which is awesome. Yeah, that's that's um, heart heartening. It is heartening. That's a good word. Well, we need to roll on into this thing because Mateo was just told by a dorm prefect that he only has an hour, and this is longer than an hour. This episode, so let's let's hustle. We we ended last episode. With 33-year-old Octavian returning to Rome with, of course, Agrippa, without whom none of this would have been possible. And they were in charge of the world. 33 years old, no more warlords left, in charge of the world. And the year is 30 BC. And I'm going to ask you briefly, Matteo, give me your take on Octavian so far. From the age of 0 to 33, what are you thinking about him? He's just, it's, it's hard to comprehend. Like he went from nothing or no, he went from being an afterthought to the single most powerful man in Rome because he got lucky and he had good friends. But he was super, super cold, calculated, like patient, smart guy. He, he's outsmarted all these other great men. I could not agree with you more. And I read somewhere the other day, somebody described Octavian as the cold, hard diamond at the heart of the Roman Empire and the Roman story. And that's kind of what he was. But so let's let's jump into it. One thing that we know about Octavian is that he was a student of history, right? He was he was incredibly observant and he had learned lessons from his adopted father, Gaius Julius Caesar, and he was determined 
not to repeat them. So when he returned to Rome in 30 BC, master of the universe, he thought about how Caesar returned to Rome, master of the universe, and didn't last very long. Within months, Caesar was dead, and he was determined not to share the same fate. So he wanted to be first amongst equals. Now, what he was, what he was shooting for, at least in the beginning, was something like Caesar or Sulla's dictator for life. He did not want to be a king. He wanted to be king-like, but he didn't want to cross that line that Caesar had crossed that made everybody want to kill him. But there was more to it than that. Octavian genuinely wanted to restore the health, the vigor of Rome. He wanted to bring back the idea of the Republic, maybe the facade of the Republic, the values of the Republic. But High Republican that, era. Yeah, of the right, of the High Republican era, but without the dominance of the Senate. So he wanted control, like Caesar had control, but he also wanted to elevate the idea of the Republic, maybe because he truly believed in it or because he knew that he needed to do so. To, he needed to give people the sense that they were getting power back uh, if he were to survive. Right? He didn't want to go down the path of, of Julius Caesar. So have the power, but have the power without getting killed and make people think that you don't actually have the power or make them want to give you the power. And that, that is the true Jedi mind trick. Let's see how he accomplished it. So in recent years, the Senate, you may recall that the Senate was 300 men, pre-Sula. And then Sula came along and the Senate became 600 men. Sula expanded the, the membership of the Senate. And then Caesar came along and it went to a thousand plus including a bunch of guys from Gaul that owed Caesar everything. So that's that's the situation, my son. When Caesar strolled into the Senate, there were a thousand plus people waiting for him. And Octavian very quickly became Princeps Senatus. There is. Prince of the Senate, number one. Leading number one senator. senator? Yep, number one senator. And... As if that weren't enough, he and Agrippa stood as consul. And this is now Octavian serving as consul for the sixth time. And he went to work. He trimmed the numbers of the Senate down from 1,000 to 600. So there are 400 guys wandering around that used to be senators but were no longer. But Octavian was shrewd. He said, guys, you can't sit in the Senate, but you can still keep your other privileges. You get special seating at sporting events. Uh, you get to wear special togas. You get to use special honorific titles. You're just not in the Senate anymore, but you're still special. So he's trying to get things under control. And then you mentioned in the last episode that being a consul didn't mean too much anymore, right? Right. Why is that? Because you're just a piece, a puppet, a figurehead. Yeah, it's so much so that at, at this point, during the period of the civil wars and the triumvirate, consuls would oftentimes only serve for a day or for a week. So you would get appointed consul, you would serve for a week, and then you would quote unquote resign and give the consulship to your buddies to try to 
give people, make favors for people so that they were indebted to you. The consulship just became, I don't know, like a, a, a toy or a tool. And Octavian right. started there first. All right, first, no, actually second. First, the Senate. A thousand people is too much. They can't actually do anything with a thousand people. Let's cut it back to 600. And then he said the consulship needs to mean something again. So in January of 28, he and Agrippa were appointed consul and they served continuously until December 31st of that year. We need to make this mean something again. Um, not only that, but back in the old days, in the High Republic, when you were a consul, there were two consuls. And the consuls, remember in battle, they used to alternate day by day. One day, a, one consul would be in charge, and the next day, the control would go to the second consul. Yeah. And in the same way, when they were in the city in times of peace, one consul would be the lead consul for a month, and in the second month, the other consul would be lead consul, and they would alternate back and forth. So he did that with Agrippa. In January of 28, Octavian was the lead consul and was surrounded by bodyguards and pomp. And in February of 28, Agrippa became the lead consul, and Octavian took the back seat to Agrippa. That's, I mean, it just goes to show that they had a genuine friendship. They weren't just a uh, uh, friendship that relied on mutual interest. Genuine friendship and deep trust. Could not agree with you more. And so the same thing that he did with the consulship, the same thing that he did with the Senate, he did, he, he did, <laughs> he did with all the other magistracies, uh, you know, the, the, the praetorships and the adiles and, and all these positions that in Republican Rome were immensely important and had lost importance in latter years were restored to some semblance of their former glory. At the very least, they were given the respect that they hadn't seen for many years. So Octavian is cutting down on the abuses and the deterioration that we saw in the later years of the Republic. And Agrippa and Octavian also went to work restoring the physical infrastructure of Rome. And that's something that we talked about in Agrippa's time. The Senate made a formal request to Octavian, who, if I haven't said it before, was the wealthiest man in Rome. And his wealth likely paled Crassus's wealth of once upon a time. So do you, is he, do you think, I mean, at his peak, is he the richest man in, from Europe ever? I think so. Yeah, I think at his peak, Octavian's wealth dwarfed anything and anyone that came before or since. Even Mansa Musa? That's a good question. I don't know. You know, I, I know, and by the way, you introduced me to Matsu Musa, and I've read a little bit about him subsequently, and I don't know. I don't know how it can compare. But I know that Octavian was there on a whole different scale. And Octavian and Agrippa went about repairing Roman roads and Roman aqueducts. So they started rebuilding Rome, because Rome had been neglected throughout the civil wars. Uh, and not just rebuilding, but improving significantly. And then after their consular year was over, Octavian and Agrippa, Octavian stood in front of the Senate on January 13th of 27. And Matteo, this is remarkable. He returned all of the powers that he had as a triumvir because he still had them, even though he was the only triumvir left. And he stood in front of the Senate and said, I hereby renounce all of my extraordinary powers. I am just a simple man now. One of you, a senator. That includes control of all the provinces. 
It includes control of all the armies. Yeah, he was still the wealthiest man in Rome. And yeah, the troops were still loyal to him because they loved him. But he made the show. Here you go, guys. Take it all back. What do you think the Senate said? I, I bet they were shocked. They were probably all making their, their own schemes of how do we get this guy's power down? And then they just seem to give it up. You know, it's an interesting point you just made. I think if it were the Senate of 10 or 20 years ago, that would have been the case. But at this point, the 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 power-hungry guys in the Senate, they were pretty much all dead. You know, <laughs> the, the ones that would have gone against Octavian, they didn't exist anymore. And so the Senate's response was, no, 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 don't give it to us. Don't give it to us. You, you, really, you keep control. And he said, no, I'm not going to keep control. Here, take it, take it. And he said, no. You know, at least keep control of the provinces, Octavian. Keep control of the provinces. And Octavian said, no, Senate, you should take some provinces too. And at least keep some legions, Senate. And so they came to an agreement. The Senate kept six or seven legions. Octavian had 20 plus legions. Octavian had all the money. The Senate, not so much money. But there was still a little question, right? Things are sort of panning out in Octavian's favor. We got a tiny little question. What was the legal basis for Octavian's power? He was just a Senate? Was he? And then, Matteo, pivotal moment in the history of planet Earth. January 16th of 27. I think I'm going to put this in the shared family calendar, actually. On January 16th of 27 BC, the Senate granted Octavian an honorific title, a title that had never been granted by the Senate to anyone before. Am I supposed to say? I would like you to. Oh, Augustus. Yes. Augustus. The Senate granted him this extraordinary title of Augustus, which came from the Latin verb augure, which means to increase. And Augustus meant the illustrious one. It doesn't get much better than that. No, no it, it truly doesn't get any better than that. Next up, God. Yeah, agreed. Next up, God. And he was already the son of God. So son of God, illustrious one. And they also granted him the right to hang the civic crown above his door. And actually formalized at that point his position as Princeps Senatus. So he's the lead senator. He is the illustrious one. He's won the civil, civic crown. He is officially first amongst equals. He did that's not. A, that's sorry. a funny, ironic uh, title. First among equals. Yeah. We're all equal, but I'm the best one. We're all the same, but I'm but, far away the best. But we're the same. Yeah. <laughs> So that was like, that's how he threaded the needle. That's the needle that Caesar couldn't thread, right? We talked so about what? how Caesar... You, you didn't wear purple togas and golden no, crowns? No, 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 he did not. He lived humbly, relatively frugally. And this day, when he was called Augustus by the Senate, January 16th at 27, is generally seen as the date that he began his reign as emperor the first emperor in the history of rome wow 
However, remember, at this point, Imperator is a title that had been around since the founding of Rome, and it just made somebody, it meant somebody that had imperium, somebody that had military authority over troops. But it came to mean something very different. Augustus actually called himself, he never called himself Augustus. I think he was always a little weary, uh, wary of the name rather. Like, ah, saying illustrious one, that, that might strike some people as a little bit much. Uh, something maybe that Caesar would have done. So he called himself Imperator Caesar Divi Filius. The Commander Caesar, son of God. Oh, yeah, because that isn't that isn't in your face at all. Ah, he's taking the humble. Illustrious ah. one? Illustrious yeah. one? No, I don't know. But, uh, Imper oh, Emperor's son of God? That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Commander Caesar, son of a god. Yeah. What's incredible is how much the world has changed, right? If Caesar had said this thing 16 years ago, you know, around the time when he was murdered on the Ides of Insta-killed. Insta-killed. <laughs> He's not making it a day in the Senate. Yeah, insta-killed, for sure. That would <laughs> I love that. That's really great. I've never heard that before. So, yeah, insta-kill. Did you just make that up on the spot, or is that a thing? Oh, I don't know. I just put the words insta and kill together. I like it. But, yeah, that would have been insta-kill for Caesar. Caesar had done much less. But we're not in that world anymore, Mateo. We're past that world. We're in a much more docile world. All the real resistance, the old Republican resistance, was dead and gone. However. And the people had been, this generation of people had been used to living outside of the Republic, basically. They were. And I think they just wanted peace and prosperity. It's like, how can it be that Rome is the wealthiest state on the face of the planet? And, and we're all living like animals, fearing for our lives. Octavian brought peace back. And I think they were willing to embrace whatever he pushed their way within reason as long as he could guarantee their peace and he could and he could uh, that said he was very careful he didn't sit on caesar's golden throne he didn't put on the purple toga he had learned caesar's lesson you can wield power you can wield pretty much absolute power just don't rub people's noses in it and uh and that's what he did so by 23 bc he's 40 years old now okay he has been Imperator for four years, it he had continued to serve as consul every single year. Like you said, auto kill, he was on auto renew. He was he was consul auto renew. And so in 23 BC, he said, guys, he was feeling confident enough in his position. He said, I'm not gonna run for consul anymore. I'm I'm not gonna stand. I'm out. Octavian out. Augustus out. I'm gonna keep calling him Octavian. For some reason, Augustus, I don't know, but whatever. Octavian out. Let other people stand. He wanted to give other senators a shot. And this goes back to your consistent points through these episodes that he operated on a higher level of consciousness. He was so smart. He said, I need to throw people bones. Let other senators serve as consuls. Do they have real power? No, they don't have real power, but it's real prestige. I want other people to feel that prestige. And around that same time, in fact, that same year, 23 BC, he became very sick. We've seen him get sick before, but this time he became really, really sick. Many people, including Octavian himself, thought that this was the end. 
and we discussed this in Agrippa's episode, he had the Senate grant the same imperium, the same powers, the same package of extraordinary powers that Octavian had were granted to Agrippa. And not only that, my son, Octavian handed Agrippa his signet ring. Damn. So he was basically, he accepted his demise. Yes, he did. He accepted his demise. And if I'm going, we need to make certain that this thing that we've started to build together lasts. And the only person capable of doing that, the only person remotely capable of doing that is Agrippa. Agrippa would be Octavian's heir. It says a lot about Agrippa that Octavian revered him that highly. He wasn't just a general. He wasn't just a commander. No, no, he wasn't. Again, one of the most overlooked figures in history. And you think, what would Agrippa have been to us if Hadrian hadn't left that original dedication on the Pantheon, uh, allowing Agrippa's name to survive for 2,000 years? Who knows? So anyways, Agrippa was officially named as, as heir or positioned as heir, but Octavian didn't die. He wound up recovering. But, but after this moment, he started thinking very seriously about the succession. You know, if, if you're worried about being called a king and he did not want to be called a king, how do you make certain that you, non-king, are able to transfer your powers to the next generation? How do you plan for your death? You know, because when you go, if you don't do this right, guaranteed civil war, right? And Rome probably doesn't survive another civil war. So it was at that time that Agrippa, that Octavian negotiated what is known as the second settlement with the Senate. So he was granted new powers, Imperium Proconsulare Maium, which means he was granted proconsular power greater than any other proconsul throughout the empire. So he's officially, like before he was using influence, it wasn't actually named. Now it is named. He is given truly exceptional powers. Legal powers. He was also given tribunicia potestis, which is the power of a tribune. He couldn't be a tribune. He was a patrician. Didn't matter. He now has the powers of a tribune, which means he has the ability to veto the Senate's laws. He has the ability to convene the Senate and the Assembly of the Plebs, and he has the ability to speak first in the Senate for life. Oh, and something else. Remember that thing called the pomerium, the, the line, uh, the little kind of demarcation line driven uh, drawn around Rome? Within that line, yep. nobody could command troops. Or bring any swords or anything like that, yeah. Yep, well... At this point, Octavian is given Imperium inside the Pomerium. Meaning he was the only person that was legally authorized to command troops, to command forces within the city. So they basically gave him all the powers. Yeah. And by the way, that's where you that's where we get the Praetorian troops, right? Oh. Yep. So Anyways, and later the Varangian. Yeah, and from there the Varangians. Exactly right. So this is something that's going to be with Rome for the next 1,480 years or so. So he was given these truly exceptional powers. And my son, he made certain that Agrippa was given the similar package. Agrippa, in essence, was also emperor. 
the powers of emperor and powers that Octavian felt comfortable that Agrippa would never, ever exercise unless Octavian himself was dead. So basically, there was like two emperors, except one had a lot more seniority. That's right. That is exactly right. That's awesome. And we never hear anything about Agrippa. That's kind of crazy. No, never, ever. So a, a funny thing happens right about now. So Octavian's been given pretty much absolute power, right? Mm-hmm. But it was power behind the scenes. Because it wasn't a, he wasn't walking down the street dressed like an emperor. No, he was just being his normal self. He had the power, but it didn't come with all the pomp and circumstance that the people were used to seeing. And they didn't like that because they loved Octavian. And they actually thought that at this moment in which Octavian was gathering all the power to himself, they were actually worried that the Senate was trying to push him out. What? Octavian's not the consul anymore? Really? And so the people started rioting. <laughs> they started rioting against the Senate. That's crazy. Yep. That fervor. That's ridiculous fervor. Yeah, it truly is. It's amazing how this skinny guy, big head, skinny neck, sickly, was able to inspire this passion, this love. Uh, both in, amongst the troops and also the common Joe on the street. So Rome went through a few years of riots uh, during the Did Octavian not try to prevent it? I think he probably kind of liked it because in the year 22, 21, and 19, the people rioted during the consular elections because they said, no, 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 no. You're not going to let Octavian be elected consul. They only let one consul be elected, Matteo, in those three years. Because they said, no, the oh. second consul has got to be Octavian. The people. They wanted the other consulship left open for Octavian. So he, he ended up, oh, but he never took it. So there's only one consul. That's right. By the way, you never read Dune, right? And I've been trying to get you to read Dune for years and years. Yeah. But we've been talking throughout this podcast about how Star Wars reminds us so much of these events of the Republic, the High and, and Later Republic. But it reminds me a ton. And there's the new movie is coming out. We need to watch it together. But it reminds me a ton of Dune. And in, in Dune, I see Julius Caesar was Paul. Uh, Paul, who's the son of Duke Lido. And Octavian is, uh, is Leo, the god emperor, who is the son of Paul. He's the guy that winds up turning into a sandworm and lives pretty much forever. And Agrippa is Duncan Idaho. I'm telling you, it's... Well, you just spoiled the story for me. Huh? No, you I didn't. spoiled the story for me. No, I didn't spoil the story. Paul becomes a sandworm? Uh, no, he does not. He doesn't become a sandworm. No. Oh, Leo, Leo, you're right. Yeah, 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 he doesn't. But this is not spoiling the story. Okay, pretend you didn't hear it. Anyways, okay. uh, Octavian's powers continue to accrue. In March of 12 BC, Lepidus finally dies. Finally. And this is the last, Matteo, this is the last piece of the puzzle. Lepidus dies and Octavian becomes Pontifex Maximus. So he's Princip Senatus, first senator. He is Pontifex Maximus, first priest. Uh, and he has proconsular powers throughout the empire. There's nothing left for him. 
But something else happens that year. This is 12 BC. He's 51 years old. Somebody else dies that year at the age of 51. Agrippa? Yes. Yeah, he lost his brother. He lost his brother. He lost his best friend. He lost his confidant, Agrippa. And more than that, Agrippa was the last person that could really tell him the truth. Maybe Livia could too, his wife. But other than that, it was Agrippa. Everybody else uh, just wanted to tell him everything he wanted to hear. Yeah, a man in his position doesn't have relationships like he had with Agrippa. Yep. Years pass, 10 years now alone without Agrippa. And in 2 BC, the Senate names Octavian Pater Patriae father of the country and he's now 61 years old you know what's amazing as i was writing this episode and researching this episode my son it took us three episodes to get through the first 33 years of octavian's life and we're going to wrap up the last 44 years of his life in one episode in a second yeah and i was thinking did I do something wrong? Like, did I not research this properly? And there's obviously more that we could say, but I think the point is that in those last 44 years, there was no drama. That's what he accomplished. He ended the drama. No more civil wars, no more warlords, a return to kind of civility. The Senate, sort of their functioning and it was a return to the rule of law so the romans finally got what did octavian give rome octavian peace. gave peace and the ability to enjoy the empire that had been won a long time before he gave everyone what everyone else promised yes you're right he did he delivered on the promises well put and he started, this is the birth of Rome's golden age, the Pax Romana. That is Octavian's great gift. And sorry, it's Octavian's great gift made possible in large part due to the partnership he had with his best friend, Agrippa. Without Agrippa, there's no Octavian. And there's definitely no Augustus without Agrippa. So... Uh, so in those last 44 years, what, what happened? Well, he expanded the empire. That's for sure. Um, although much of that expansion came as a result of Agrippa leading the legions and not necessarily Octavian. And we talked about a, a number of these campaigns before, Matteo. Uh, you know, very briefly, what did Octavian, you know, where, where did he expand Rome's territory? All of Hispania. So Spain and Portugal is finally part of the empire. The, the territories of Ratia and Norcia, which is modern Switzerland, Bavaria, Austria, and Slovenia, they're now in the empire. Illyricum and Pannonia, that's modern Albania, Croatia, Hungary, and Serbia, also in the empire. Judea, in the empire. It was folded into Syria after Herod the Great died. And Octavian, with Agrippa, pushed the northern frontiers of Rome up to the Rhine and the Danube. 
in hindsight, maybe not the best idea. But that was it. Set up perfectly for conflict with the Germans, the Goths, all the barbarian tribes. And this is interesting. Now, we've it talked about a natural about frontier. It, it was a natural frontier, but maybe they should have left some buffer there on the other side of the frontier. Who knows? Tough to say. Sure, there are military minds that have debated this for centuries and centuries. I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, he also negotiated with the Parthian king of kings. This is a big one. You know, Caesar wanted to march legions into Persia to recover uh, Crassus's uh, eagles, and, and so did Mark Antony. He actually tried to. Well, Octavian managed to negotiate with the king of kings, Phraates IV, and Phraates sent back Crassus's eagles and the standards captured at Carhai, without a sword being drawn. Octavian was especially proud of this last thing Monday. It was a big deal for the Romans, the loss of those standards and getting them back. And in 1863, a statue was discovered of Octavian at Livia's villa. It was being uh, excavated by archaeologists, showing Augustus at his prime. He probably never looked quite like that. It was definitely probably, probably a little less meaty. Yeah, a little less meaty. But if, if you look carefully, Mateo, at this chest plate, and to our listeners, go to www.lostromanheroes.com. You'll see this. You'll see Octavian receiving one of Crassus's eagles from the Persians on the breastplate. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. That's beautiful. That's real art. It is truly beautiful and real art. Could not agree with you more. So awesome. So it means a lot that because, of course, Octavian is the one that ordered this be created. That's what he wanted to memorialize of everything that this guy had accomplished in his life. It was recovering the eagles from Parthia that stood out most in his mind. So listen, it's an incredible military record. Yeah, granted, he wasn't the guy leading the troops, but it happened under his auspices. And those are remarkable accomplishments. But not everything was wine and roses. The only like really big, dark splotch on, his, on that record happened in September of 9 BC. Mm -hmm. And I know you know what it is. That painful day. What happened? Tudorberg Forest. Yeah. The Romans were tricked uh, by... By it was it was their guide, but it wasn't it also a Roman officer. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he led them right through a trap. He did. Three legions, Three legions wiped out underneath the governor of Germania called Publius Quintilius Verus. Verus led three legions into the Tudorberg Forest. They were completely wiped out, and until his death, until his death, Octavian would periodically blurt out. In the middle of nothing, I had nothing to do with the conversation. Varus, give me back my legions. Yeah, did he have like a PTSD? Uh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And that was pretty much it for Octavian's efforts to expand the empire. After Tudorberg, his focus shifted to maintaining what he had. So he did so many other things. We can't begin to describe the impact he had on the on the empire. We know that in his will, he would brag that I found Rome a city of bricks and left it a city of marble. And, and he did do that, Matteo. 
but Agrippa did that too. It was definitely a team effort. Um, but Octavian was a builder and there were only a few really notable builders or the most famous builders in Rome's history. Octavian was one, one of your favorites. Adrian. Adrian, yes. And perhaps the last builder was Justinian. And hopefully we make it to Justinian and to Hadrian so we can talk about them over. But I wanted to throw this out there to you, Matteo, because it's a little, I don't know if it's controversial, but I think it's overlooked. The biggest thing I think that Octavian did, or, or one of the very biggest things is, is the least glamorous thing. And it's why people don't talk about it. He created a permanent professional Roman state. Didn't exist before. I mean, the Roman state had existed before, right? Rome has been around for 500 years, but there was no professional civil service before. There was no permanent. Right, it was just this, it was the city of Rome and all of their territories. Basically. Yeah. And you would, people would be elected magistrates for one year. You got to learn on the job. You hire a bunch of people. And then when your term is up, you're out. And then we start over again and start over again and start over again. So you always had amateurs kind of running the state. And remember, by law, you couldn't serve as a magistrate again until 10 years had passed. So you kept losing all this institutional knowledge. Octavian looked at this and said, it makes no sense. So he started bringing former slaves and slaves and new men into government and saying, guys, you're just, you will be the professional civil service. Regardless of who's on top, you remain and you develop real expertise in whatever area it is, you know, managing the treasury, raising taxes, maintaining roads. Octavian created the Roman government, the real Roman government. Yeah, and that everything is modeled off of most democracies. Yes, and I, I think it's one of the principal reasons why Rome would last for another 1,450 years because it had this incredible stability created by the nerd Octavian. So, my son, how much time do we have left before we need to wrap this up? Like 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Okay, cool. So, listen, he did so many things. He did so many truly remarkable things. But that last thing is what made Rome truly durable. Um, and, and I guess the other thing that deserves comment is people have this idea of Octavian, Augustus, as having absolute power. A Roman emperor is having absolute power. They could do whatever they wanted. They could choose whoever they wanted as a successor. Uh, because the Republic is now officially dead, right? Now we're in the era, historians refer to this era, not as the empire, because the Roman Empire did exist before. It was just controlled by the Senate. This is called the Principate. And there's a guy, Matteo, there's a historian active today called Professor Anthony Caldellis. And he wrote a book called The Byzantine Republic, People and Power in New Rome. And, and one of the things that he said is that what, the genius of Octavian and his desire not to repeat Caesar's mistakes, like he made certain that his legitimacy came from the Senate, but also from the people. So yeah, he had sort of absolute power, he was an emperor, but it was almost like with a Republican flavor to it. Kind of it right. was 
his power was rooted in the people uh and it wasn't it didn't come from god it didn't come from his dad no it, it came from the bottom of the pyramid and right. that's the things that made rome very very different you know we'll see in this podcast how when rome in the west falls and you start to get kings in the west these barbarian kings they said their power came from god and their power came from dad so their blood they, heredity you know they inherit their their title but that never happened in rome for 1500 years from octavian to the very end power in rome did not come from god it did not come from blood it came from this idea of the people the people want me here yeah is, well maybe at the end it kind of came from god no it didn't i mean once catholicism started coming it didn't it didn't it didn't because the the people overthrew emperors all the time if they thought somebody was doing a rotten job out the door you go now, that didn't yeah, happen did. the intrigue of the byzantine court was something else yeah but that didn't happen and it wasn't so much intrigue of the court it was the people saying you're doing a lousy job uh the armies are losing battles uh, i'm hungry uh you know the the, the city is falling apart we need a new emperor that didn't happen in france and in england and in germany it was just a different idea kingship was a different idea which is something that i think people fail to appreciate about the roman empire okay so here we are we're in the last days now of octavian and he has this major problem which is he doesn't have a successor you know at first he wanted agrippa to succeed him but agrippa passed away young um and agrippa however had a bunch of kids and shortly before agrippa died augustus or actually when agrippa died augustus adopted two of agrippa's sons lucius caesar plan a that was the plan a successor and then you had gaius caesar agrippa's other son that was plan b and he also started promoting a plan c and plan d because his wife livia had kids from another marriage a guy named tiberius and a guy named drusus tiberius was last on the list uh, and so there was a bunch of maneuvering that happened uh, and then everything fell to pieces in 8 bc drusus who was was choice number two he was a brilliant general agrippa's son but he fell from his horse when he was campaigning in germany infection set in and he died They're like okay it's all right we still have lucius well in two ce now lucius got sick when he was campaigning in gaul and he died and then a couple years later gaius who was Tiberius's brother he died after getting a stab wound in armenia and so all of a sudden octavian the guy that maneuvered the universe for 70 plus years the guy that planned for everything was left oh, his plans were thrown out the window and he had one dude, a guy that he didn't particularly like, named Tiberius. Tiberius was living on Rhodes at that, this point. He left Rome. He was sick and tired of being Octavian's pawn. And he went to party in, in Rhodes. And Octavian had to call him back. And said, Tiberius, you will be my successor on one condition. You need to adopt Drusus's son as your heir. And Drusus's son, Matteo, was a man by the name of Germanicus. I like Germanicus. We're going to do an episode on Germanicus. 
So the deed was done. Octavian was 68, and he finally had secured the succession. A couple of years later, on August 19th, uh, not a couple of years later, actually that same year, on August 19th of 14 AD, Octavian was visiting the town of Nola, that's next to Napoli. That's where his dad had died many, many years before. Octavian's own health had been deteriorating for months. He knew the end was near. Uh, and he died. And many historians, including contemporary historians, said he died because his wife Livia poisoned him. They say he, Livia fed him poisoned figs. He loved figs. And you know what? Maybe she did. Maybe they decided to do it together because he was sick and he knew the end was near and he wanted to control how he went out. Regardless, that was that. August 19th, 14 AD, Octavian is no more. He was carried back to Rome. All business in the city stopped. Tiberius and his son Drusus gave the eulogy for Octavian in the Forum. Octavian was cremated, Matteo, before his mausoleum where Agrippa's ashes were already inside waiting for him. And if you go uh. to our website, yeah, yeah. If you go to our website, www.lostromanheroes.com, you will see a picture of that mausoleum as it exists today. It was just restored. They completed the restoration in, in 2021. Uh, and inside were placed Octavian and Agrippa. And Man, that's a good story. And Mateo, I'm going to close it out in the best way possible. This supposedly was Octavian's final words. We'll let him have the last word. He said in Latin, as he lay dying, Acta est fabula plaudite. In English, that means, have I played the part well? Then applaud as I exit. Did it give you chills? Gives me chills. What a way to go out. Yeah. There was nothing more that he could have possibly achieved. Absolutely nothing. Could not agree with you more. So, not to tear you up or anything, but I did create an image for this episode with ChatGPT. And if you go to our website, www.lostromanheroes.com, this is how I imagined Octavian looking as he carried his best friend Agrippa's ashes to be lain in his mausoleum. What do you think? It's pretty accurate. Skinny kid, no facial hair. Yeah. So that's Octavian. That is the Pater Patriae, father of his country. And now, finally, after four episodes, we get to rank him, my son. And let's start with maybe the most controversial aspect of it, or really the only one I think maybe there's some debate, which is how big was Octavian's military success? Right. Well, to be successful militarily, you don't necessarily have to lead troops. You know? Like, um. I guess that's the question. Do you need to lead troops to be successful? Because this is the first time, I think, where we have a hero, a meaningful hero candidate 
that really did not lead troops. And when he did lead troops, he wasn't particularly good at it. I don't think so, because it's his troops, his staff. At the end of the day, he has the final word. You know, he didn't he wasn't at every battle, but he wasn't some. He didn't fight probably. I don't think to be successful militarily, you have to you have to lead troops, you know? Like um what's it called? We we give presidents um criticism on how they handle wartime operations and stuff, because they're the master, master chief of the military, but they don't lead troops. Okay. I think your point's valid. However, I think that my opinion, when we have a hero candidate that does lead troops, well, in other words, if you have somebody that didn't lead troops that had extraordinary military success through his commanders versus somebody that did lead troops and had extraordinary military success directly, I, I think we can't rank, rank them equally. I don't think, I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you. Well, it's because it's just it doesn't make sense that we were ranked. I mean, military success is just kind of a warped way of ranking it because there's military aptitude and there's military success, you know? Like a president assembles his cabin. Artavian also put the pieces in the, and he he surrounded himself with the right people, right pieces. You know? He, he, he did surround so, himself with the right pieces, um, and the right pieces made the right decisions. But when he led troops in battle, like his first battle against Sextus Pompeius, or when he went north to uh, uh, Mutina, or when he tried to command troops directly at Filippi, he wasn't particularly good. So my only point is, where am I going with this? Caesar, we gave him, both gave him tents commanded troops directly, did so exceptionally well, like rocked it. We gave Agrippa, both of us, tens. Um, Labinus, we both gave him a seven and a half. Uh, Crassus, stunk. Um, Sula. Yeah, but you see Labinus. Labinus, we only gave him a seven and a half, not because um, he wasn't, if because we, we weren't grading his aptitude. We were grading his success. His success. And at the, at the end of the day, he lost. At the end of the end, if so, we we didn't grade him on his aptitude or his skill. We just graded him on his success. So for by by that logic, it shouldn't matter if they're leading soldiers or not. I no, I I do think it matters. I think it matters. I I don't think we need to find a way to differentiate between that sheer military genius of a Caesar or um, I don't know, or a Scipio. I think Scipio also got tens across the board from us, and or guys like. I don't know, uh, a Cincinnatus. He got sevens from us. Uh, Punctator, seven and six. So I, I think... There we're were not some... rating... But we're not rating the difference between a general. We're rating... What we're saying we're rating is their military success. It's just their success. Y yeah, I agree. But Which I, is why I, I said... like. The way we're rating, the way that's why I said we should relook really at. I, I, that's why I've said in multiple episodes that like we should relook at how we're rating, because we're just grading. We're just rating by their success. We're not rating by them. I mean, anyway, we're just saying we're rating them by their success. We're not rating them by their aptitude. And you said we need to find a way to differentiate who's a better general, like uh, the difference between a genius like Caesar and Cincinnati. But in that case. Cincinnati is probably a worse general than Labinus, and maybe he got better because yeah, Labinus lost. By the way, maybe you're right, and and but we're going to go through this in in our next episode, which is the special episode where we review the heroes of the Republic. 
But I, I don't think Octavian deserves the same as a, as a Caesar. I don't. Because Caesar had, as well, exceptional success, but he was the one that was directly responsible for leading the troops in these in, in, on the field. And Octavian's record has some blemishes, particularly the moments when he was leading on the field. And then he sort of, he figured out the model and decided, I shouldn't be the guy. I have the guy. I'm putting the guy in charge, who is Agrippa. So I'm saying he doesn't deserve a 10. In my book, no, he's definitely not a 10 because it took him a while to figure this out and eventually he did. Um, but I, I, I can't go 10. I, I actually think he's an eight and a half. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't feel comfortable rating him. You don't feel comfortable rating him? I you feel like with the way we're rating him, I feel like it's it, it it's invalid. But my son, he all right, all right. I'm gonna rate him. Right. I'm gonna give him an eight point five. But okay. I'm not trying to push you into I'm just telling you No, it's just it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. So put a number that makes sense for you. All right, I'm just gonna rate him by his military success. Are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. I don't, I don't. I don't know how to rate this now because now I just read. I, I'm now I'm doubting every rating I've given. Listen, I, I, I just think so. We gave Agrippa tens across the board because he, it was Agrippa was the man leading the troops, accomplishing, uh, you know, in every every engagement he was in, Agrippa prevailed with creativity and and uh, just a, a, you know uh, a, a remarkable uh, approach and so you got to give me a number I, I understand it's tough it is i just i i think that if we look to caesar and agrippa there is a qualitative difference between caesar agrippa and octavian octavian and this by the way when we get to Justinian, I'm going to say the same thing with Justinian. Belisarius won the battles. Justinian chose an incredible cabinet, incredible commanders, and he gets credit. And we have to that. change the way that we have to. All right, next step. All right. And we have to change the way we're rating it. It just doesn't make sense that we rank, that we rank some people a certain way and we rank others a different way. We ranked Labinus not off his aptitude. We ranked him off his success. He was pretty successful until he wasn't, but his aptitude was super high. Like, if we want to factor in, like, okay, in many engagements, he was outnumbered. He was under-resourced. Like, we could start getting really detailed into it. Yeah. And we talk about, like, oh, the quality of his victories were better than others. But then we're not, then, like, I just, but I don't because think now you're saying we need a quality, because you're saying we need a quantitative difference between Caesar, Agrippa, XXX. But then, I don't we're, think then we're rating their... But then we're rating their aptitude. We're not rating their success. But we rated people like Labinus off their success, not their aptitude. It just doesn't make sense. Like we're, I, don't I understand know. what you're saying. I do. I completely get what you're saying. But you need to give me a number. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, 
I'm just giving him an eight for now. Eight. Lower than me. Yeah. Give him eight and a half. Okay. Well, because now I'm grading him on the way that you're grading him. No, me, you should grade. I don't know. I'm just going to give him an eight for now because either way, I'm going to change his ranking. Okay. Next episode. Fair enough. Political, uh, there's no way to give him, in my opinion, anything less than a 10. He yeah, is, infinity. He's infinity. Yeah, I agree. Um, coolness. I think he's cool as hell. That last quote he said. Yeah, it was. I agree with you. He is. I think he's a different model of cool, for sure. A completely different model of cool, and we'll never see anybody like him again. And we haven't seen any anyone like him to this point. Okay, so what do you want to give him? Infinity. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna join you. I'm gonna join you with infinity. And and in terms of impact, this is a hard one. Uh, it's hard to have an argument on this one too. Yeah, and fit in here. It is <laughs> yeah. in the rankings. He should just have him fit in out of ten. Like I agree. he's like the greatest ruler of all time, yeah. pretty much. So if you think about it. I, I'm going to ask you the question, which doesn't need to be asked. Does Octavian belong in the Hall of Heroes? Yeah, he's beyond that. He's beyond that. Okay. I mean, even if you take out all of his efforts during the Civil War and you just factor in his last 30 years of his life, yeah, he was he brought upon uh, like a uh uh a, he brought upon the Pax Romana basically. He did? Not basically, he did. No, he did. He started 250 years of peace pretty much. He absolutely did. Like this guy was a saint. He's basically the, he's probably the one of the he's in the GOAT conversation for rulers of all time. I agree with leaders. you. He is. And, and that's why he got this brings him to a 96%. He should just have an infinity though. He shouldn't even be he's gotta be the number one first ballot standard. Like I don't know. Well, United all peoples, all peoples. They said, no, no, no. We don't want to take away your power. We want to give you more. The military, the politicians, the the, the random man on the street. Listen, he's he's there in a tie for first place with Scipio Africanus, Sula, Agrippa, and Octavian. Yeah, but I think he's a greater man than them. Well, I don't know. I think in there in his position, I don't know. I don't think they handle it the same. I think, yeah, I don't know. We have a little time to think about this because Mateo and I are going to do a special episode coming up next, summarizing every hero of the Roman Republic that we discussed from start to finish. And in that little summary, we're going to give you a little two to three minute review of who they were, what they did, why do they belong or not belong in the Hall of Heroes, and then right. we're going to revisit their rankings from start to finish. And I think, my son, when we get to Octavian in this review, we're going to have a better sense of our ranking system because I know you and I have worried about this as we've gone through these 30 episodes. Our concept... It's just not... We're not consistent with how yeah. we're rating them. We're a little inconsistent. So uh, it'd be nice. It'd be cool that uh, if you guys have any scruples with a specific person that we voted in or did not, you could... Tell us, and we could bring it up when we discuss that character. 
that's a very good idea. We would love to hear from our listeners. If you have thoughts about somebody that, that you think got a raw deal uh, or was maybe uh, ranked higher than they should be, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And I'll before we get into the finale, Matteo, we haven't done this for a while. I think it's so pertinent with Octavian. Give me an alternative history in about 60 seconds or less of what the world would have been without this man. Well, I think the Roman Republic would have split up into different states and uh, warlords would basically take control of these different states and maybe we'd have the medieval period of 800 years earlier. 600 years earlier, right? Something like that. Yeah, and w which would have led us to what kind of world? Who knows? No way of knowing, right? I don't know. More Western barbarian kings, basically. I, I don't know. A society, I mean... I don't know. I mean, he basically invented the system, the, 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 the government that most democracies are modeled after. Like without this guy, all this talk that we have about, oh, Roman Republic, like people modeling their countries, governments off the Roman Republic, like that's all BS. Without this guy, we don't have any of this. Could not agree with you more. It would have been more than anybody else we've covered, I think, in my opinion, if you were to pluck him out of the 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 stream of 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 time and history, the world would have been dramatically different. Yeah, like right here, basically, Endgame, Rome dies, basically. Yeah. Because if you take out Augustus, we still have all the conspirators. We have Mark Antony. We have like we have there's so many different parties. Like it just all blows up. Amazing stuff. So to our listeners, thank you. Thank you for putting up with two back-to-back four-part characters, Caesar and Octavian. Mateo, I don't think we're ever doing this again. I, I can't think of another character we have there on that list that would merit four or three. Maybe we'll have some two-episoders. What do you think? Maybe if they're really, if they're really worth it. Yeah. but our, We glossed over a bunch of stuff here. We did. We ran through the fourth episode. We did. We did. Uh, but I would say in general with this podcast, our objective is to keep this a one episode per character podcast. And we'll reserve the right to go do a little bit more if we find somebody that's truly fascinating. But we really hope right. that you think that Octavian was worth it. Right. And I want to say, I read a really good book, my son, for this episode called Augustus by a historian by the name of Adrian Goldsworth, which is excellent. Uh, for our listeners that want to learn more about uh, Octavian, please check out the book. It's awesome. And there's another podcast, uh, the History of Rome podcast by Mike Duncan is also excellent. He does several episodes on Octavian that are worth listening to if you want to dig into him a little bit more. Please check out the list of heroes on our website, www.lostromanheroes.com. Uh, check out that list. If you have ideas for new people that belong on the list, in, email us at info at lostromanheroes.com. As always, please leave us reviews. We really need them. They help us so much. Uh, thank you to all the countries, all the listeners and all the countries out there that are checking us out and found something worthwhile in the podcast, including 
I'd like to give a shout out to Anguilla. We have one listener from Anguilla, which is awesome. And we're grateful to you as we're grateful to all of our listeners. Mateo, before we sign off, I'd like you to read, if you can, a post that recently showed up, a review that recently showed up on uh, iTunes that I absolutely loved. All right, let's see. Diamond in the Rough. My uncle recently shared a cool Instagram post with me about Agrippa. I tapped on the link and was introduced to a charming podcast on important Roman figures. The father-son combo brings a unique twist to the historical podcast platform. After finishing the Agrippa episode, I went back to the first episode. I'm thoroughly enjoying their storytelling and analysis of some of the ancient Rome's most influential humans, or demigods, depending on the episode. Lost Roman Heroes rivals Mike Duncan rivals Mike Duncan's History of Rome for my favorite podcast on ancient Roman history. Wow. High praise. And uh, it's uh, rewarding to be compared to a podcast like that. Such um, high praise. And they, and they listen to our worst episode in terms of sound. Yeah, yeah I was going to say skip the first five. Ep- well, yeah, Agrippa <laughs> was one thing, but skip the first. Don't go back to the first episodes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We've gotten better with time. And hopefully we're continuing to get better. And I just want to say, after 30 episodes, I'm so loving this. And I'm so grateful for this thing. And I'm so grateful for the time with you, my son, and that we have this thing to share it together. It makes me happier than you know. Me too. It's crazy to think that episode 22 was Julius Caesar. Yeah, it is. And we're episode 30, and we're, we barely got past this 20-year, this 20-year, like, era. Yeah. We, we've been, yeah, we've been sort of stuck in end, end of the Republic for a while. For like 18 episodes. Yeah, it's been a slow motion train wreck. Thanks to our listeners for hanging out in the same moment of time. And we've seen it from so many different characters' point of view. But with the death of Octavian, now we finally will take a leap forward in time into, I think, a new world, in, into the Principate. And time will speed up again. But before we get there... My son, we have a special episode uh, for next week, which is The Lost Roman Heroes of the Republic. And we've said it before, it's a review of each hero that we've covered so far, looking again at what they did of import and reviewing their ranking. Uh, Possibly expanding it, I don't know. You're saying maybe add a new... That's not a bad idea. Maybe add a couple, because... Maybe we, we factor their success and their aptitude. I don't know. Though I don't know. We have, maybe we have to rediscuss what being a hero consists of. All right. Well, let's think because about that. Does being a, because we're at the end of the answer. The question we're answering is, are they a hero? Does leading troops and, and winning wars make you a hero? Does it make you more of a hero if you could do that if you can't? Or is just the success part about it make you a hero? I don't know. So I just think that the the... The the fact no, we'll talk about it next week. Okay, <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, enough is enough. To our listeners, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to us for thirty episodes three zero. Thank you for ten thousand downloads. Downloads and downloads. this is going to sound silly to people that are power users of social media. Mateo and I are not power users of social media, or at least I'm definitely not. We have I'm more definitely than, not either. Uh, we have more than five hundred uh, followers on Instagram now. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. It's nice to see. It's great to see. So my son, Bring it to Twitter. Take, take it away. Wrap up this episode for us. Well, uh, please email us at lostromanheroes.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lost Roman Heroes, especially Twitter because it's a, it's a super great space uh, that we could reach out to each other. And um, uh, special episode, like we mentioned, next week. Uh, we'll be going over the way we rank and each character so far. If you want to uh, let us know your thoughts on a specific person that was or was not voted in, let us know so we could discuss it when that character um, comes up in the episode. So, yeah, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank <laughs> you.